Today on Grow in Grace. Those of you who are a little more familiar with scripture, that's the same word that describes what the body of Jesus would be wrapped in when taken down from the cross. He was born to die. He came to give his life so that we might have eternal life. All that in that one little statement, the sign, babe, swaddling clothes. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. It's good to be with you, and welcome to a very special Christmas edition of Growing Grace. Today we're going to look back to the very first Christmas, and you just might be surprised to hear that the first to be notified of Jesus' birth were shepherds. They were the social outcasts of the day, but that speaks volumes to us, as you'll hear in a moment. Pastor Ed Ray joins us now in Luke chapter 2, helping us capture the real meaning of Christmas. We are in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which they told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, 
waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are telling your servant, depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and Jesus' mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we thank you for recording for us the details of the story. Send your Holy Spirit to teach us now that we might understand the depth of all that you went to, to come to earth and to save us. Do that, we ask in Jesus' name. And all of God's people agreed by saying, amen. Somebody sent me a whole bunch of letters that were written to Santa. I read some of them last night. Here's a couple more. This is Marty, a four-year-old. Dear Santa Claus, when you come to my house, there will be cookies for you. But if you're really hungry, you can use our phone and order a pizza to go. <laughs> Frank, six years old. Dear Santa, I want a puppy. I want a playhouse. Thank you. I've been good most of the time. Sometimes I'm wild. <laughs> Dear Santa, this is Susie, seven-year-old. I'm not going to ask for a lot. Here's my list. An Etch-a-Sketch animator, two packs of number two pencils, Crayola fat markers, and the big gift, my own color TV. Well, maybe you could drop the pencils. I don't want to be really selfish. <laughs> Last one, Jerry, four years old. Dear Sen, I'll take anything because I haven't been very good. <laughs> Send me some coal, it'll be fine, right? I read this week about a children's pastor who had done a survey of all the kids that were in the Christmas play that they were doing to ask them which characters they most identified with. It wasn't Mary or Joseph or the wise men. The kids all wanted to be shepherds. They thought the shepherds were the coolest part of the story. So shepherds in that day were much different than what we think. It was to this group of people that God sends the news. They go out and take the news after they've heard it, but they were then considered the lowest form of the society. Only thing lower were lepers, people who had leprosy. So it wasn't always that way. In fact, Early in Israel's history, the shepherds were famous. Abel was the first to have this job, the son of Adam and Eve, and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses, and of course, King David was a shepherd. God calls himself a shepherd. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd that lays down his light, the sheep. 
By the time we come to the first century, however, that job description has become a little tarnished. <laughs> Shepherds made up this low class. In fact, the ancient Talmud, we read these words that rabbis wrote, no help is to be given to the heathen or to shepherds. <laughs> wow, social outcasts. Why? Because the shepherds were considered unceremonially clean. Their, their testimony wasn't even allowed in a court of law because they were thought to be liars. People were worried about shepherds because every time they were around, stuff in their yard started to disappear. <laughs> They were known to be pretty quick with their hands. Yet, even though that's true, even though a shepherd couldn't even come on the Temple Mount because of his uncleanliness, it turns out that it's to this group that Jesus came. Of course, that's not unusual. Matthew 9, 12 says, it's not to the healthy who need a doctor but the sick, for I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. And so he brings the message not to priests, not to rabbis, but to these sinners. <laughs> but of course, that shouldn't surprise us because we find as Jesus grew up, he had lunch with prostitutes and demon-possessed people and strangers and Samaritans and was constantly getting in trouble with the Pharisees because they thought he was having too much time with sinners. So this section breaks up into three parts. Chapter 2, verse 8 through 16, the shepherd's response. When the angels told him, they said, well, let's go and see. And then in 17 through 22, the response is, well, let's go and tell what we've seen. And then Jesus in the temple is this fascinating story to me anyway, of an old prophet, Simeon, who was waiting for the Messiah to come and got to see him come. That's where we're going. Verse 8, now that we're in the same country, shepherds lying out in the field, living there, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Bethlehem, the little village today, is only three and a half miles from the city gates of Jerusalem, at least according to the bus odometer that we were in. These were probably the shepherds that were taking care of the sheep that would be sacrificed in the temple when you would come and you would bring a offering then they would have sheep there for sale, and it was close by. So no doubt this was where you could find the sheep that were going to end up as Passover sacrifices. Now, David had been a shepherd. You'll remember King David, and he was of the village of the city of Bethlehem. If you would go to Israel, and again, I would recommend it to you sometime in your life, but we always go to this, it's called the shepherd's field, still is to this day. For 3,000 years, men have been watching over sheep on these same set of hills that look down on the little village of Bethlehem. And I don't know if the government pays them, but there's a shepherd with his family that live there. And every time we go, they're there ready to show us the sheep and they raise goats too. But it's fascinating to me that 
You know, we think stuff is old in America if it's three or 400 years old. <laughs> They've been 3,000 years in this same place taking care of sheep. They were living with the sheep out in the fields. We're studying the Christmas story today here on Growing Grace. Here's Pastor Ed Ray with part two of his message, Shepherds We Have Heard. That reminds me of a story. I'll give you a little setup. My family is Irish and Scottish and a little English, so I'm going to tell an ethnic joke. I just, I just want you to know that I'm telling it on myself, too. Okay. If you're offended, I'm with you. Okay. So this Englishman had a bunch of sheep, and he lost a shepherd, and so he put in an advertisement in the local newspaper, said he needed a shepherd. And the first one to come was an Irishman. He said, you know anything about sheep? And he said, well, I was raised around him. He said, okay, well then go on up to the top of the hill where the sheep are, spend the night with them, and come on back in the morning, we'll talk about salary and all those things. And so he went up. A half an hour later, he came back down. He said, what's wrong? He said, those sheep really, really stink. I can't stand to be around them. The guy said, okay. Put an advertisement again. Second guy to answer the ad is an Englishman, okay? Same question. Do you know anything about sheep? Well, yeah. He says, you know they could be stinky. He says, ah, they don't bother me. He said, okay, go on up and we'll talk in the morning. So the Englishman goes up. He gets up there. He lasts about an hour and a half. And he comes out. He says, man. Those are the rankest sheep I have ever smelled. I can't handle it. He said, okay. Another ad in the paper, Scotsman shows up. The guy said, okay, listen, here's the deal. I need the shepherd to spend the night up with my sheep. But the last two guys said they smell too much. He said, oh, that's okay. I don't have any smell capabilities. I lost it. Can't smell a thing. He said, great. We'll go on up and come on back in the morning. We'll talk. He went up. Half an hour later, all the sheep came down. <laughs> That's the only thing you'll remember about this message, but you know, take that to your friends, right? <laughs> so, the sheep were smelling in Bethlehem, verse 9, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them suddenly, and the glory of the Lord, the light, shown about them, and they were greatly afraid. So, first of all, it's a single angel, and the glory, the display, the word means, was so bright that they were blinded by it, and they were afraid. The appearance of the angel terrified the shepherds. So, the first thing the angel says, verse 10, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. The angel reassures the frightened shepherds. Now, Jesus said, my peace I give you, peace I leave you. He was warning his disciples that they were facing unknown things that they, had, they didn't know anything about. I've wondered for years whether they were afraid because of the, the look of the shepherd, you know, or they like 30 foot tall with flaming swords, or is there something else there? I think there's something else. I think they're aware that something is about ready to happen to them that they are completely unfamiliar with. It's way beyond anything they've ever experienced. 
they're going to be asked to go into the unknown. And in fact, every Christian on the planet has that experience. Not of seeing angels, but of sensing God wants them to do something they haven't done before, something new. And there is fear in the unknown. But stepping out into the unknown is an adventure that God wants us to be involved in. So what is it that he's asking you to do that you're going, I don't want to do that? What is it? Is it that neighbor that you've never talked to about Jesus or church? Is it somebody at work? Is it going somewhere on a mission that you've never done before? You know, we have groups of people that go down from the church every month into Baja, and and one group takes food and diapers to the orphanages down there, and the other group goes down and visits the Casa Esperanza, where battered women are, and meet with the children, and, and just evangelize in Mexico. Something that you've not done before. Go to the unknown. I think that's what the angels are saying. Don't be afraid. You've never done this before. But it's a good thing, verse 10. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. What you're about to hear is the good news. Now, joy here is chara. And it's going to be joy to everyone because their sins are forgiven, those who would call on the Messiah's name, Jesus, for anyone who would call on his name, for all people. The first good news in 400 years from God, somebody said. Why? Well, because the last book in the Old Testament, the last book of prophecy, Micah, There's a 400-year gap from his death until Matthew writes about the birth of Jesus. 400 years without a fresh word from God. For there has been born, verse 11, to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There's a lot in this verse. Once more, the translators have added things trying to help us. There's no definite articles here. So it actually reads, there's born to you this day in the city of David, Savior, Messiah, Lord. Much more powerful like that, isn't it? That's what they heard. Whoa. Christ the Lord. Savior, it only appears in the Gospels two other places. Only two places total. This one in John chapter 4. He is the Savior of the world, the rescuer, the one who has come to rescue us from our sins. Verse 12, and this will be a sign. There's a definite article here. This is the sign, the angel said. The sign that you're looking for, you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Oh, there's other babies around, but this one will be wrapped up tight and in a manger. The word swaddling in the Greek language comes from the word to tear. And so it's a piece of cloth that's torn in four or five inch wide strips. And still in the Middle East today, when a baby is born, they wrap the little kid real tight with the arms against the body and the legs real tight. They believe it it makes the child push against it and they get stronger, quicker, their limbs, their arms, and their legs. 
But there's another message here, those of you who are a little more familiar with Scripture. That's the same word that describes what the body of Jesus would be wrapped in when taken down from the cross. He was born to die. He came to give his life so that we might have eternal life. All that in that one little statement. The sign, babe, swaddling clothes. And then in a feed trough. Feed trough? Yeah. In Israel, there's not much wood, not many trees. And so the mangers are made out of stone, chipped out of limestone, usually a softer stone. And you can find them. In fact, if you go to Masada or to various other sites that archaeologists have dug up, there's always some of these, they call them troughs, but they're mangers that you put hay in for an animal. So the sign is a baby in an animal trough. (laughs) What? And then just as soon as they heard that, And suddenly with that angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, suddenly there was this like a bang and other angels showed up. How many? Literally the word in Greek is 10,000s, plural. 10,000 times 10,000 times 10,000 times 10,000. Well, how many angels are there? I don't know. There's a lot of them. And the word that Dr. Luke uses to describe them is a military term. The Greek word for heavenly host describes an angel that is cloaked for battle, ready to fight. So the heavenly host is a large group. And they start the first Christmas carol. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Somebody said, because it's shepherd, they should have sung glory to God in the lowest and the highest. Peace, there's that word again, shalom. That's such a popular word in the Bible, 996 times the word appears in the Old and New Testament. Peace. Salem in Arabic, Salom in Hebrew. And when a Jew says that to you, if you go to Israel, what they're saying is much more powerful than just absence of strife. Shalom means back to the garden, the garden of Eden. May your day be just like a day living in the garden of Eden. It's fitting that shepherds would be the first evangelists seeking sheep to follow the great shepherd. You're listening to our Christmas special here on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. For a CD copy of today's message, call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or listen online at thepackinghouse.org. And look for us on iTunes as well. 
we can hook you up with many more resources to help you grow in grace when you visit thepackinghouse.org, like Pastor Ed's devotional. Speaking of resources, today we'd like to make special mention of Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, authored by renowned surgeon Dr. Paul Brand and Philip Yancey. Together they explore the human body and uncover statements that God has made about our bodies. They point out that the human body is like a window into the very structure of God's creation and a testament to God's glory. This month, we'll send this to those of you who support Grow in Grace with a donation of any amount. You might think of it as our way of saying thanks. Please remember that your gifts help us to bring Pastor Ed's teachings to the radio every day. To make a year-end contribution, go online at thepackinghouse.org or call 844-77-GRACE. And it's a real blessing when we hear back from our listening audience. Whether it's a word of affirmation or a comment related to the study, a question or a prayer request, we want to hear from you. Drop us an email today. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. And Merry Christmas to you and your family. This program is presented by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now build with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I say let this world know me by your 